Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Take your Bibles out, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, we, I went to the Holy Land. We, we got back. We took 75 people from the church, went to the Holy Land, and then, then to Greece and had a phenomenal trip. And so, But it's good to be back home. Uh, normally when I preach, my words slur or I stumble over them or I mess it up many times throughout the course of a sermon. But today I have an excuse, jet lag. So when I mess up today, it's, I'm going to call it jet lag, uh, although it does happen on a frequent basis. Uh, but it is good to be back. Understand Keith Brumelow, our North Campus pastor, preached here, and he crushed it last week, had a great time with him. So uh, it's good to know we have so many campus pastors that do an awesome job. Um, how many tend to make excuses when they mess up? Come on, everybody ought to know that. We, we all make excuses. We have excuses for why we can't and why we mess up and what goes wrong and what happens. There, there's some, uh, these are some real stories that came in from Ann Landers published some time ago of parents sending notes for why their child missed school. And so listen to some of these excuses. Dear teacher, please excuse Lisa for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. Here's one. Dear teacher, please excuse Jimmy for being. It was his father's fault. <laughs> Dear Mrs. Thomas, Mr. Thomas, Jennifer missed school yesterday for a good reason. We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the porch. And when we found it Monday, we thought it was Sunday. <laughs> Here's one. Dear Mr. Anderson, Marianne was absent yesterday because she had a fever and an upset stomach. Her sister was also sick, and her brother had a fever. I wasn't too well either. Her father got hot last night. <laughs> so anyway, I messed that one up. But anyway, uh, par for the course. Uh, we make excuses, and we have a lot of excuses on why we don't get involved with stewardship. Why I can't give, why I can't serve, why I can't be involved in ministry, why I can't help somebody else, why I can't do a lot of different things. And, and there's a word we've been talking about this entire month called stewardship, and it simply means God owns it all. We know that, we admit that, we say that as believers, but he also says now you are responsible stewards to take care of my creation, to take care of my stuff, to take care of my world, and you're to use my stuff, my creation, to further kingdom purposes. And that's what stewardship is literally all about. We take God's stuff and we use it to further kingdom purposes, whether it's in our hospitality, whether it's in our giving, whether it's in our going, whether it's in our time, whether it's in our talents, whatever it may be, I use what God has blessed me with and I use it to help further his kingdom. And in the end, God gets glory, honor, and praise. And then an awesome way it works. And so the biblical word is steward. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes we think of stewardship only in terms of money. And so we say, ah, pastor's preaching on stewardship. It's going to be a money series. And, and yet money's mentioned about 2,000 times in the word of God. But our stewardship involves all of our life. Everything in our life, who we are, all of our life, our time, our talents, our testimony are all part of our stewardship giving back to God. 
This morning, we're gonna look at a stewardship of hospitality, one you may not have thought of, and it's in a, the Bible uses the word steward in connection with hospitality and serving other people. He says, as good stewards, serve other people. So let's stand together. We're gonna look at 1 Peter chapter four and verse number eight. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Above all, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, the King James Version says, as good stewards of God's grace. And the NIV changed it to administration or administering God's gift. Same thought, same idea, a little bit newer language. If anyone speaks, he should do it as speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. What a challenge. Let's pray. Father. We love you so much. We thank you for your word today. And we just pray, God, that you will minister through this message, through the service, through the word of God, we pray. We thank you for your sweet presence that is here already. And so to you belongs all the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys. You may be seated. This act of hospitality says be hospitable. Serve one another without grumbling. Exercise that gift of hospitality without grumbling. Uh, the, the hospitality flows out of the great commandment. We know what the great commandment is. He says the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So out of loving your neighbor as yourself flows that gift of hospitality. What does that mean and what does that look like? Hospitality, and we get our word hospital from the word hospitality. It's uh, to be kind or generous in treatment offered to guests or strangers. To be kind or generous in our treatment to guests or strangers. The guest is honored and valued. It's valuing other people. It's serving other people, especially those who are guests among you. Now, when you travel around, and you're on the road, you want to be treated with value. When you walk into a restaurant or uh, you want to be made to feel at home or whether you go to a motel, you want to be welcomed and feel, feel like a special guest or to someone's house in, along the way. In the same way, if hospitality is lacking, you can't wait to get out of there. I want to get out of this place. I want to leave this place. I, I don't want to be here anymore. And you certainly wouldn't recommend it to your friends to come to that restaurant or that motel or that place, whatever it may be. Now, here's what Jesus Christ said. He said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you have done it unto me. So if Jesus walked in the room, what would we do? Oh, the Lord's here. Jesus is here. Here, sit on the front row. Here, have the best seat. Here, I'm going to make you a meal. Here, I'm going to take care of you. We would honor him because he's Jesus. And the Bible says, whatever we do to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so who do we offer hospitality to? Anybody Jesus would offer hospitality to. Strangers, other people, people who are not like us, people who don't look like us, people who don't talk like us. Anybody out there deserves hospitality, kindness, love, serving. 
We serve and give them honor the same way we would do it for Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served. So as children of God, if we're gonna be stewards of God's manifold blessings and manifold grace, what should our plan be? What should our course of action be? To serve and not to be served. As children of God, we are called to serve other people, to love them, to lay down our lives for other people as Jesus Christ did. We're to treat others like Jesus does. So we say, what can I do for you, not what can you do for me? It's not about me. Not about me being the center of my universe. It's about putting other people first in my life. It's about honoring them above myself. It's about preferring my brother, my sister, better than me. It's about giving them the best seats, the best places, the best whatever it might be. It's not what you can do for me, what can I do for you? So I wanna give you three points very quickly, very simply, and they're on the back of your outline today. The first is simply this, hospitality unleashes potential. I like this one. Hospitality unleashes potential. Turn to Genesis chapter three. I'm gonna tell you about a man who was very hospitable. His name was Abraham. And he was one of the, the, the host of the Old Testament, hospitable man, a giving man, a serving man. And it says there's a promise given, and it's in Genesis 12, and we run across a man by the name of Abraham. And so it says, and the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Here's the potential. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What a promise. Abram, you're gonna be great. You have all kinds of kids. You're gonna have a great nation, and everybody's gonna call you blessed. There is so much potential in your seed. And God's gonna do amazing things. Only problem is when God gives this promise, Abraham is now 75 years old. Sarah, his wife, is 65 years old. And up till now, neither one of them, they haven't had any children. There's been no children born to either one of them. Ishmael's gonna come along later. And so no one's been born to Abraham or Sarah, and yet he makes this incredible promise. Now, turn to a few chapters later, turn to chapter 18. I wanna pick up the story of Abraham and his hospitality. It says, and the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Now there's three strangers come to his tent. He's a nomad, he's living in the land God promised. He has no idea who these guys are. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them. He bowed down to the ground. Now he begins to give these guests honor, show them honor. And he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let, let a little water be brought and then you will all wash your feet and rest in his tent. So now he starts washing their feet. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servants. 
Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into his tent. Sarah, quickly, get three seahs of fine flour, knead it, bake some bread. Let's, let's put out the very best for these guys. Then he ran to the herd, selected a choice tender calf, and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf and had them prepared, and he set them before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So he serves his guests, gives them the very, very best, where is your wife, Sarah, they asked him. There, is, there in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely re- return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, it has been 24 years since the first promise is given in Genesis chapter 12. God had told him, you're gonna have a son, I'm gonna multiply you, you're gonna be blessed, people are gonna bless you, it's gonna be awesome. But nothing happens. He tries on his own, gets out of God's will, he has a son through a servant lady and uh, his name is Ishmael, but still, no seed through Sarah, which was God's plan from the beginning. These three strangers come to his tent, what's he do? Gives them the best bring the water, washes their feet, brings the food, and then the promise is given after the show of service, after the show of hospitality, next year, you're gonna have a son. Do do you see the connection, the hospitality, the serving, the giving yourself away, opened up the door for God to do a great miracle in Abraham's life. And now Abraham, at 99 years of age, Sarah at uh, 89 years of age, is able to conceive and have a child that is gonna be born to them the next year. Serving others unleashes an amazing potential that God can use and flow through your life. Listen to Hebrews 13 too. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for, for by this some, and he could be talking about Abraham, have entertained angels without knowing it. You never know who's coming into your house. You never know who you're gonna run across. You never know who you're gonna see because you might be, be uh, entertaining angels unaware. Isn't that amazing? Now, an angel is simply a messenger from God. Angel, translated, messenger from God. So whether it's an angelic being or someone who brings you a message from God, he says, love them, serve them, show hospitality. For who knows who God will bring across your path? Who knows what divine appointment God has set up for you to minister and serve somebody else that will lead to your eventual fruitfulness? Wow, incredible. Tell you one more quick story, 2 Kings chapter four. There's a woman from Shunem, and uh, she has lived there. She asked her husband, there's this, uh, there's this prophet, his name is Elisha, and uh, he is awesome, and I wanna have a place for him to stay. And so they take a room of their house, and they make that as a prophet's chamber or a prophet's corner, maybe kind of like a room over the garage, although I doubt they had garages for their camels, but uh, they, they prepare a room. And this is gonna be your room. And anytime, Elisha, you come and you stay with me and you hang out here, you've got a place to stay. We will take care of you. We'll meet every need you have. This is where you're gonna stay and we're gonna take care of you. And one day, while he's resting there, Elisha, because of the hospitality shown by this Shunammite woman, says to this in uh, 2 Kings 4, 16 and 17. Then he said, at this season, next year, you will embrace a son. Now she is also childless, she is also getting up in age. She has also given up any hope of having children. And she said, no my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Don't pull my leg. 
It's an old expression. And, and the woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, and Elisha said to her, as Elisha had said to her, listen to me, because of her hospitality, it caused her to be able to have a child be born. It's amazing. Hospitality unleashes potential. And so he says, love one another, serve one another, put others first, wash their feet, love one another, greet them with a holy kiss, care for each other, welcome them in. For who knows, you might entertain strangers unaware. You say, pastor, listen, you don't know me, I'm an introvert. And I can't help the way I am. And I don't like people. (laughs) And I'm not a people person. And hospitality is not my gift. I got one word for you, it's this. Change. Change. It's not optional. Let the love of Christ remake you and remold you because the Bible says love one another as Christ has loved us. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans. Romans 12 and verse 10. And he's writing to all believers here. And I'll just read verses 10 and 13. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. You see that in God's word? Practicing hospitality. He didn't say if you feel like it, if it's your gift, if you like people or not. He said just do it. Love one another. Serve one another. Practice hospitality. Be generous. Be loving. Be kind. Minister to others when they're hurting. Reach out to them when they're suffering. Give to them when they're in need. Practice hospitality. Mm. Hospitality unleashes amazing potential. But the reverse is also true, and I want you to get this. A lack of hospitality, a lack of hospitality, I blame it on jet lag. A lack of hospitality can also cost you greatly. You see some examples of that in the word of God as well. A lack of kindness can result in broken friendships, broken relationships, uh, missed opportunities, all because we failed to serve others and show our love to other people in practical ways. Turn to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. Now I want you to look at the difference here and get this this morning. Mark six and verse two. When the Sabbath time came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get all these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that even he does miracles? Isn't this a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Look at the, because they responded in that way. Look at the next verse. And Jesus said, only in his own home, among his own relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay. Brothers, sisters, they don't receive Jesus Christ. Those in his own region of Galilee don't receive him. They reject him. He's, he's not welcome in his own hometown. Isn't it sad that sometimes the people we hurt the most are the people closest to us? 
our family members, our brothers, our sisters, our fathers, our mothers, our children. We disrespect them the very most because we're around them all the time and we're familiar with them and we think we can talk to them any way we want to. So we smart off and we open up our mouth and we say hurtful, cruel things to those often closest to us and this is exactly what they're doing with Jesus Christ. This is their very own brother and they're saying, wait a minute, we grew up with this guy. We play ball with this guy. We know who he is. He's a carpenter's son. He's not all that great. He's surely not the son of God and his own family gives him no respect. Now the amazing thing when you get to the day of Pentecost after the crucifixion of Christ, his brothers are in the room there and they're with them being filled with the Holy Spirit as they experience the rest of his ministry. But early in his ministry in Galilee, he is rejected. Now because of the rejection, what does it say? He could do no miracles there. So we have a choice. We can be hospitable, we can serve other people, we can love other people, and that will open up the door for God's incredible blessings, or, or we can shut other people out, we can say it's all about me and my life and my agenda and ignore everybody else around us, but you also stop the flow of God's amazing blessings that he has for your life. Mm. When Jesus sends out the 72, he gives them instructions. He says, go into the cities. He says, go into the city, knock on the door. Now be very careful, listen to these words here. He said, if they receive you, if they open up the door, if they're hospitable, go in and bless that house. Pray for the sick in that house. Tell them about me in that house. Do miracles in that house. Why, because they have received you, have opened up the door. But if they reject you, if they say you're not welcome here, if they shut the door in your face, what does he tell them to do? He says, wipe the dirt off your feet, leave that house, get out of there. They have just locked themselves down from God's incredible blessing that he has for them. Listen, we are people of the most high God. We have been anointed by him. We have his love flowing through us. How can we not help but give that love to other people? Don't shut down the door of God's blessing in your life. Even as guests come to Faith Assembly of God, listen to me, we create an atmosphere of expectation when we receive them at the door, when we love them, when we shake their hand, when everybody in the room is looking around for new people coming in and you're shaking their hand and you're loving on them and you're greeting them and hugging them and saying, we're so glad you're here at Faith Assembly. We meet them in the parking lot. We meet them as they come in the doors. We, we create an atmosphere of expectancy so that when they come in, they can receive the blessing of God or they come in and sit there. This is the most unfriendly church I've ever been in my life and they shut down and they can't receive what God has for them. We create an atmosphere by our hospitality and they're going to want to come back and not only come back, say, yes, what? I found a place. I found a home. I feel like family there. I feel like I'm loved there. I feel like I'm welcome there. And they'll begin to bring their friends back in. This is the kind of atmosphere we're looking for at Faith Assembly of God. Hmm. When a person feels valued, they are likely to return. How many of you have ever been to Disney World? Let me see your hand. Yeah, in the summertime, it can be like 12 hours of Hades. I say that gently. I mean, the lines are two hours long to get on a little boat 
and say, it's a small world after all. And you're like, you wanna pull your hair out and the kids are crying and they're upset and they're lying and it's nuts and it's crazy and it's packed and you're working your way through crowds the entire day and sweat's running off your brow. But what's happened? We're, we're stupid, we go back. <laughs> and we go back again. Why? Because there is something about the Disney way that makes everybody feel like an honored guest. In fact, their theme song when you're coming onto the park is, be our guest, be our guest, put our service to the test. Did I get that right? That, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing, I know. And people come back. Now listen to me. Disney does not have an anointing for hospitality. His church does. We ought to be the most hospitable, loving, serving, friendliest people on the face of the earth. We got that love of Jesus Christ flowing through us. We must be excellent at faith, church, at receiving and honoring our guests. And why? It's because our love for Jesus Christ. And our love for Jesus is shown in how we love others and honor others. Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So out of our love for God flows my love for everybody else. If my love for everybody else is motivated by a love for God, I will love you even though you're not like me. Right? Not because you're all that great, but because I love God. And everybody else is created in the image of God. So that leads me to my third point, it's simply this. Use your gift to serve others. Use your gift to serve others. Jesus Christ has already been crucified and rose on the third day, and now he's gonna make some appearances to his disciples. And he's met with them in the upper room, and he's met with the two on the road to Emmaus, he's met with Mary at the tomb, and now uh, the angel tells the disciples, go to Galilee, and Jesus is gonna meet you up in Galilee. In fact, last uh, week and a half ago, we had the privilege of getting on a boat and crossing that Sea of Galilee. I think we imagine this is a great vast ocean. It's only about four miles wide and about uh, 12, 13 miles long. And, so, and it's a flat, calm, it was a perfect, beautiful day. And we're out there on the Sea of Galilee. You just picture these events taking place. And on one such occasion, Jesus has gotten there. Peter got to the Sea of Galilee and he's bored and he says, you know, let's go fishing, guys. Uh, he'd already been told by Jesus, you're gonna be fishers of men at the beginning of his ministry. But now at the very end of his ministry and before he's gonna ascend up into the heavens, they're out there fishing again. And they see him on the shore and he says, put your net on the other side of the boat. And so they get a great haul of fish and with, through the miracle and Peter recognizing his, uh, John recognizing the voice saying, it's Jesus. Peter jumps and begins to swim across the water. He swims to the shore where Jesus is at. What does Jesus have waiting for them? He doesn't need their fish, even though they're hauling in Tons of fish. And by fact, Jesus doesn't need your fish. He allows you to enjoy the harvest. He allows you to enjoy the catch. He doesn't need it because he already has a coal of fire and fish already prepared. Jesus is gonna show these disciples hospitality. Many of them who ran from the cross, Peter who betrayed him three times at the cross, and what's he do? He extends hospitality. 
He always says, come and dine, come and dine. I've got food prepared for you. And he says to the disciples, come and eat my fish. The coals of fire is a very interesting phrase there. The only other time you see it in the New Testament is found in Caiaphas' courtyard when there are also coals of fire. And it was there, Peter denies him three times. And so Jesus, after he feeds them, shows them the fish, talks to them a little while, he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And what's he say? Then go ahead and feed my sheep. If you love me, you're gonna serve others. If you love me, you're gonna practice hospitality. If you love me, you're gonna feed my sheep. Says it the second time. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He's getting a little aggravated now. He says, feed my lambs. Third time, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. Jesus extends hospitality. He tells Peter to go and extend that to others. I think he asked him three times because that's how many times Peter denied he knew the Lord around that first set of coals of fire. Hospitality, hospitality leads to feeding other sheep, to ministering to them, to reaching them where they are at. He says, do you really love me? Let's do this one more time together. Listen to me, if your child is riding a bike and falls off that bike, you don't scold him, you don't get out on him, you don't say you're out of the family now, you couldn't ride the bike in a straight line, you're fired. No, what do you do? You help him up. You mend his wounds. You take care of him. You may or may not get him back on that bike. And that's what he does with Peter. Peter fell off the bike, he messed up again and again and again. And he says, it's okay, you're my child. He brushes them off. He says, now go out and do what I have called you to do. Do you love me? Do you love me? If we love Jesus, it frees us from choosing who we will serve. We can serve anybody, not because they deserve it, but simply because I love Jesus Christ. Wow. Will someone take advantage of your hospitality? going to happen. Will they take advantage of you when you try to serve them or take care of them or pay a bill for them or do something else for them? Yes, they will. But if it's any consolation, they did it to Jesus. So it's okay. Sometimes you're going to show hospitality, they're going to come right back and spit you in the face. We had a, a couple that called the church office and the, uh, the, the guy was, uh, had said he had five kids, I don't know. I think he caught me in church in the foyer after Sunday morning service. Got five kids, and I need a place to stay. I've lost my place, whatever. So we made arrangements to put them up in a hotel room, and we paid for the hotel room, and, and we got them a meal that night and said, here, take care of your kids and your family. We don't want you sleeping out of your car. And so we had a call the next morning from the hotel, said the room was trashed. He had a big dog that we didn't know about. He told us he had five kids. We didn't know about his big dog Bowser, I don't know what his name was, but anyway, we didn't know about that. The dog scratched the door all night long and tore up the door, and so we had a huge hotel bill for tearing up the property. Yes, people will take advantage of you all the time. It's going to happen, but it doesn't mean we stop serving. We stop ministering. We stop giving. We stop caring and it's easy to become a little cynical and withdrawn and say, okay, I'm not going to do it ever again. 
Listen, when you begin to lock down, you lock down the potential of God blessing your life. And my blessing is not gonna come from that family. My blessing is gonna come from God anyway. So I serve God, I'm obedient, I do what God tells me to do, and yes, there's gonna come times when you'll be taken advantage of. We'll never make an impact in this world if we don't love, if we don't honor, if we don't serve one another. Hospitality, he calls it a stewardship. Be good stewards, of your hospitality, of your service to me in the kingdom of God. Now, we're wrapping up our series on stewardship. So we're asking ourselves the question, how do I use all these God-given resources that God has blessed me with? Well, we, we give our time back to God. We serve others and we give that back to God. We give of our finances, we give of our stuff back to God. We do all that. There's one more story I wanna tell you as we wrap it up, and it's the story of Moses. And Moses is, is in the wilderness. He's on the backside of the desert and uh, there's a burning bush. And the Bible says he saw, he looked and saw the bush burning. He's drawn to that bush and God begins to speak to him out of that bush. And uh, he basically tells Moses, Moses, you're gonna be the one who's gonna deliver all my people out of bondage. You're gonna take them out of slavery out of bondage, across the Red Sea, and you're gonna be my deliverer. And Moses begins to make excuses, like I talked about at the beginning, why we weren't in school. So he begins to make his excuses, and he starts out in verse 11 of chapter three. Who am I? How many times have we said that? God, how can you possibly use me to do anything? The second excuse is in verse 13. What will I say? And a lot of people get stumped with that one. I don't, know the, I don't know all the Bible. I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to share my testimony. What will I say? And then in chapter four and verse one, he says, and who's gonna believe me anyway? Now I want you to go back to Exodus chapter four and verse number one. I want you to see what happens. And Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? This is the problem he's thinking. What if the people won't receive me? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and it ran from him. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, first he took off running, but God says, go back and catch that snake. And so he went back, he grabs the snake by the tail. I, I might have missed God's second word to me. I might have just kept right on going. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. And listen to what this says. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, here's the question I want us to ask ourselves today. What is in my hand? What has God given me? What has God blessed me with? What has God provided in my house and for my family and for my livelihood and for my life? What is my time and my talents and my testimony? What is in my hands? Now listen, whatever we give back to God, God blesses it. And we give it back to God and God blesses it. And then he says, take it up again. And that staff would become the key to the deliverance for the children of Israel out of the land of bondage. Remember when he got to the Red Sea, what's he do? Holds up the staff. God takes the ordinary that we have, and when we give it to him, he makes it the extraordinary. And he does miracles and power and unleashes blessings, uh, but we gotta be able to give it back to God. 
And so God asks all of us, what is in your hand? God breaks into his routine and he calls Moses to the high adventure of service. And the rod in his hand would part the Red Sea, would be the instrument of freedom for the entire nation of Israel. What is in your hand? Now listen, God has blessed us amazingly in so many ways. And the day he asks us all this question, we've got to ask ourselves, what's in your hand? I want you to take a look at a little video testimony of one guy who just took what was in his hand and how God used it to bless him and bless others. I've been attending faith for approximately 23 years, myself and my wife. Uh, Wasn't really on the tithing and giving program, not God's program anyway. Every once in a while, maybe be Christmas or Easter, I would go to church, tithe a little bit, give, and I would go on with my life. God was not in the center of it. Throughout the years, and listening to the Word, reading the Word, the Lord just put it on my heart that I needed to start tithing and giving and it's opened up doors for me to go on to missions trips uh, that's my heart I love missions I love to be able to help I love to be able to sow into the different different missionaries and it's not just all about the money it's reaching out doing different ministries if you give out and give your time and your resources to help others that's what it's all about We helped a person with their vehicle. It wasn't that much to finish paying it off, but we stepped out in faith and did it. We really didn't know where the rest of the resources were going to come from, but we did listen to the Lord and do it. And it just, just to see the reaction of the person was amazing. It's like a weight was off their shoulders. And that's what we're called to do, to help others. I definitely didn't know what was going to happen, but definitely the Lord knew. Over the years, there's probably been several different instances where the Lord's blessed us, where we could bless others. And it is definitely a joy. And I actually heard something on the his radio a few weeks ago that people that give actually live longer and when you're happy and you can bless somebody the joy is just unspeakable amen isn't that awesome when Jeff started giving when he started tithing God began to open up other doors then he began giving to missions. Then he began going on missions trips. And then he, God spoke to his heart about helping other people along the way and paying off their cars and doing this or doing that or whatever God told him to do. He was obedient to do it. And now God has blessed Jeff abundantly. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.